From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. There's a bit of a James Bond theme to today's Evening Standard editorial. A government source has supposedly revealed the secret Brexit plans, and our editor George Osborne wonders if they've set themselves a trap. Number 10 is being a bit like the Bond villain in in revealing their dastardly plans to the EU in advance before they've actually carried them out. More on that shortly, and he discusses our exclusive interview with Boris Johnson, which you can read in the paper right now or online. Later... Long term, it's still potentially a bid target because it is that jewel in the crown, uh, but it's staved that off for now. Our business news editor, Alex Lawson, takes us through the implications of Hong Kong dropping a £32 billion bid for the London Stock Exchange. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. Grab a paper or go to standard.co.uk slash comment to read the whole thing. In a moment, George Osborne on the newspaper's exclusive interview with Boris Johnson and that secret government leak. Why not take a look through it now? We'll be back in a sec. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There's a joke in Austin Powers movies where the bad guys spend so long monologuing about themselves that the hero gets away. Is that what an anonymous Downing Street source, who in no way is Dominic Cummings, has done? What appears to be a forceful government Brexit plan to frustrate Parliament's will and disengage with the EU if the PM's forced to extend the deadline came out last night. Here's the standards view for your ears only. Keep your mouth shut. That's what everyone who watches a Bond movie thinks when the villain says, Before I kill you, 007, let me tell you all the secrets of my dastardly plan. The negotiations will probably end this week, says the source. Then they reveal the secret plan to get round the Ben Act, stating, We can do all sorts of things to scupper delay. Finally, we get the details of the Prime Minister's plans for our future relationship with Europe if an extension is agreed. The government won't engage in further talks. It all sounds very clever, but as any Bond fan can tell you, it's a mistake to reveal your plan too early. Well, my very own M, known around here as the editor George Osborne, invited me into his office to debrief me on the standards reaction to the leak of the secret plan. 
Well, one of the things I try and do with the editorial at the Evening Standard is essentially help our readers understand better what's going on in politics. Uh, so we don't just express opinions. We also use the editorial as a kind of guide to what's going on. And of course, at the moment, you know, that is Brexit and the possibility of a Brexit deal. And so we we essentially dissect in the editorial today this email or, or text, if you like, that has emerged from almost certainly Dominic Cummings, the Prime Minister's chief advisor, about Number 10's plans. And they've revealed the plans to us. And so, you know, essentially they start the blame game with uh, the European Union on why the deal has collapsed. Uh, the Irish Prime Minister gets a broadside. There's then a bit of a swipe at uh, Boris Johnson's predecessor, Theresa May. And then crucially, he sets out Dominic Cummings, uh, how Downing Street intend to frustrate, to use their phrase, uh, the Parliament's block on no deal, and then how they intend to punish EU member states with a lack of cooperation uh, for being hostile to the UK. It's a great thing to dissect and get into the heart of because it reveals essentially how this Downing Street intends to proceed. Will it work? The newspaper in the editorial uh, draws a comparison with a James Bond movie. Now, those of you who are James Bond fans will know that quite often Bond ends up sort of strapped to a table or about to be you know, uh, drowned in a pool by the villain. And so the villain says, before I kill you, Mr. Bond, let me tell you the secret plans. And then, of course, Bond escapes and <laughs> uses that. So, so, you know, this is a bit like um, here, you know, number 10 is being a bit like the Bond villain in, in revealing their dastardly plans to the EU <laughs> in advance before they've actually carried them out. And, uh, you know, there's pretty strong stuff. They're saying that countries that don't cooperate with Britain will go to the back of the queue when it term comes to working together. Uh, they say that uh, they might, um, Downing Street says that uh, security cooperation, in other words, cooperation to keep us safe, um, could be withdrawn or reduced. Uh, they essentially kind of get into a sort of blame game about, um, you know, the Irish Prime Minister being duplicitous. You know, it, this is heady stuff for international relations. Now, they think that's all very clever and it's going to put the pressure on the EU. But I would have to say, I think this has been a consistent mistake of the Brexiteers to think that the EU needs us more than we need them. That was the fatal miscalculation in this whole uh, sorry saga. And the truth is also, if you go to the country, because in this you know, text from, the, from Downing Street, uh, they're talking a lot about the election that's coming. If you go to a country and say, we're going to put our relations with our neighbours into the deep freeze, we're deliberately going to harm our economy, um, you know, we're going to withdraw security cooperation from the neighbours in a way that might make us all less safe, I don't think that's uh, personally um, going to be very appealing to voters. And uh, that is the view that the editorial expresses. This sort of thing always causes a commotion in newsrooms. Journalists love this. We get to see behind the scenes what's really going on. But it's been reported this morning, of course, that Angela Merkel uh, and Boris Johnson had a chat today and that uh, the EU negotiations may be floundering. Do you think this would be something that would come up in that chat? I don't think it would be directly um, referenced in a conversation between the German Chancellor and the British Prime Minister. I mean, I, 
I took part in those sorts of conversations in a previous life <laughs> in politics. Um, but you know, people are well informed about each other's countries. Uh, you know, I'm always surprised. I'm still, you know, pleasantly surprised today that if you travel to Germany or the Netherlands or France, they'll know a lot about British politics and they'll fo be following. You know, maybe not every single twist of it, but they'll certainly know about the Tory rebels. They'll know about Dominic Cummings. They'll know what Boris Johnson has said. And, you know, they're not stupid, you know, and they um, I, th I think this sort of, again, a kind of classic um, mistake that's been made in these Brexit negotiations <clears throat> has been to assume that, you know, Europe will only act out of economic self-interest. In other words, Europe must have a trade deal because German car makers or French cheese makers need one. But Britain's allowed to have concerns about sovereignty or immigration or identity. And you know, there are things that trump the economics here uh, for the Brexiteers. That's, I'm afraid, a misunderstanding situation. You know, there are, in Europe, there's a very serious commitment to the solidarity of the European Union, of standing behind Ireland, even though it's a small country, um, of negotiations that are done in a proper way of uh, avoiding last minute surprises and that that trumps uh you know frankly the anything the german car makers may want uh you know keeping the european union together respecting its red lines and its things like its internal market are very important for the uh governments of europe and you can see today with, if it's true, we only, we've only got number 10's word for it, if, if Angela Merkel has said a deal is uh, very unlikely, uh, and we know, because it's public, if Donald Tusk, the president of the, of the European Council, says uh, that, frankly, the blame game started and, you know, that Britain, the British government is uh, not behaving right, you, you can see that they are acting in concert. And, and this whole attempt by number 10 partly revealed in the in this uh, in this secret text uh, to divide and rule in Europe is not working and Europe is pretty united in the way it approaches us and we have our own exclusive interview with Boris Johnson today our political editor Joe Murphy uh, spoke to him uh, lots to cover in there Brexit talks of course came up but he was also talking about the Tory 21 I was interested to see the word regret come up in his mm. quote well there's you know the the problem in politics, uh, if you fire people, is that they're not escorted to the door by security and you never see them again. They go and sit right behind you and try and get rid of you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they, the problem that Boris had and is that Boris Johnson had was when he fired the 21 Tory rebels because they didn't support him on, on his no deal stuff and they backed the parliament instead, you know, voted with Labour. Um, you know, the, it was a sort of apparently and a strong act to get rid of them, to expel them from the party. These are people like Ken Clark and Philip Hammond and Nicholas Soames. But of course, the moment he did that, he massively weakened his government. You know, this attempt to sort of impose discipline actually uh, meant that the um, government went from a majority of around zero, which is not great, to a majority of minus 45, which is terrible. So I'm no no doubt, he, as he says in um, the Prime Minister says in his interview with our with our great political editor Joe Murphy, he regrets that uh, because he can't govern without them. You know they are Tory MPs he needs back, and you can't go around expelling 
former chances at Exchequer. I speak with uh, some feeling on this. And you can't go around expelling Winston Churchill's grandson from the Tory party without expecting there to be a, a, a price to be paid. And, and, and I would say that uh, the Prime Minister in Downing Street is paying a much heavier price than the rebels themselves. <laughs> Next. It was a surprise for everyone when last month the Hong Kong Exchanges, which is the uh, stock exchange over in Hong Kong, launched a bid on the London Stock Exchange. A £32 billion bid from Hong Kong for the London Stock Exchange is off. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. A £32 billion swoop for the London Stock Exchange from Hong Kong has failed. What went wrong and why did they want it now anyway? Our business news editor Alex Lawson joins me now. Alex, take us through what's happened here. Last month, uh, the Hong Kong Exchanges, which is the uh, stock exchange over in Hong Kong, majority owned by the government over there, launched a bid on the London Stock Exchange. Now, it's a surprise for many reasons, uh, but the most of perhaps surprising was that there, there's obviously protests on the streets of Hong Kong. Uh, if there's one place in the world that seems even more chaotic than London and particularly Westminster, it's Hong Kong. Why were they so interested in the LSE then? Why make it? It was a surprise, but everyone was kind of taken aback by mm. it. Surely they've got more important things to do. But uh, why have they gone? Why was this so important to them? So all told, this is the seventh tilt that a foreign uh, company has had at the LSE over the last 20 years. And the reason that people want it is because it is seen as a kind of jewel in the crown of Britain's financial infrastructure. London sits in a great place financially between the West um, uh, and the East in terms of trading in America, switches over seamlessly via us uh, to Asia. Also, we're seen as a place that has top talent and top companies on our exchanges. And also the regulation uh, is good. So investors are confident of putting their money into London listed companies and the LSC obviously oversees that. So it was a bid for around 32 billion pounds. Mm. Was that not enough? <laughs> it seems a lot, doesn't it? And when the Swedes uh, started off this kind of string of foreign bids, it was only 800 million back in uh, the turn of the millennium. So uh, yeah, it seems a lot of money. Um, but uh, the LSE has grown through acquisitions over the years. Uh, and we were actually expecting um, the Hong Kong exchanges to sweeten their deal, i.e. Uh, pay more money tomorrow, which was the deadline for the bid, but instead they've decided to drop it altogether. They've faced uh, issues from shareholders who don't fancy it, the biggest shareholders being uh, the Qataris and also BlackRock, the big fund manager, and they've also faced opposition from regulators. Clearly, this isn't a great time to be dealing uh, with a strategic UK asset. Uh, The government's got a lot on its plate. And the LSE itself, you talked about the acquisitions it's making. There was a potential deal, or I think it might be a finalised deal now, that was going through that may have put the the Hong Kong people off. Yeah, exactly. The reason that Hong Kong exchanges have launched this bid now 
is because they don't like this deal. So the LSE is buying a company called uh, Refinitiv, which is owned by the owner of the Reuters data terminals, for £22 uh, billion. Pounds. Hong Kong exchanges didn't want that company within their portfolio. They just wanted the LSE to make this great stock exchange group, uh, and they didn't fancy that part of it. It's worth saying we use these terminals, we use Reuters, and we use Bloomberg. Bloomberg, for us, is, is far better. It's um, easier to use, and the data is in more, more depth. So you can see why they might fancy having that as part of their portfolio, but it does obviously play into an interesting narrative with the timing. So is the LSE still sitting there waiting to be bought? Is there another suitor lining up? Well, the share price fell today because shareholders believe that there's not going to be a big battle. When the uh, Hong Kong exchange deals came out, there was hopes that the Americans might come over and decide to, to buy them instead. Uh, this uh, deal to buy Refinitiv makes the LSE a lot bigger and therefore less attractive because you'd have to stump up more for it. And yeah, long term, it's still potentially a bid target because it is that jewel in the crown, uh, but it's staved that off for now. Now, before we go, I just want to tell you about the Evening Standards Women Tech Charge podcast, which is launching its second season now. It's about female innovators and is hosted by Dr. Anne-Marie Amafidon. The first episode features Rachel Riley talking about her battle against online trolls. And in this clip, she tells Anne-Marie about how her audition for Countdown went slightly awry. After a couple of uh, countdown rounds with them staring at me, the actual CD player broke. (laughs) So then they still had a couple more Did maths they questions. <laughs> they started saying, they started telling me numbers like as he was going, be like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds. Oh, and when gosh. you're thinking in numbers and someone's shouting numbers at you, yeah, that doesn't it's, <laughs> it's yeah. just like patting your head and rubbing your tummy. Yeah. Women Take Charge is available through all major podcast providers. That's the leader. It's our opinion, but we want yours. Get in touch and continue the conversation through social media. Use the hashtag TheLeaderPodcast. And you can talk to us, sort of. Our audio news team sends an update to smart speakers at 7am. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. We're back tomorrow.